0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Redemption Church. If you don't know me, I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Memorial Day weekend. I hope that you have a long weekend and that you're off to a pretty good start. Uh, Before we jump in this morning, continuing in our uh, series of the Psalms of Ascents and uh, Psalm 122, why don't we just pray together? Our Father, we just just thank you for uh, bringing us together this morning. We thank you that we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in and through Christ, you've called each of us, you've called us out of darkness. You've called us into your marvelous light. You've called us to be a people who once were not a people. That we would be the body of Christ. That we would be a, uh, a, an image of Christ into the world. And I uh, just thank you for calling us together to hear the gospel this morning, calling us together to worship and sing praises to you this morning. I pray that the gospel would be made known, that it would be proclaimed, that we would hear it in such a way that our hearts would be changed. I pray that you would say uh, what you have to say and that you would have each of us hear what you have for us to hear, that you would, uh, your Holy Spirit would just move in our hearts to know the, the great love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we're in Psalm uh, 122 this morning. I'm just going to read it before we, we get going. Psalm 122. It's the third of the songs of ascent, and this one is of David. David wrote this song. It says, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, to the tribe the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment. Were set there, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this movie, but I'm going to talk about the movie Christmas Vacation. It's out of season, but it's one of my favorites. It's a classic. Uh, Starring Chevy Chase is Clark Griswold. And if you know the movie, you know the opening scene where they're driving out into the middle of nowhere, through the snow, in a station wagon, mom and dad in the front, the kids, Rusty and Audrey are in the back seat, and they're going out to get the Griswold family Christmas tree, right? And Clark is... uh, That's Chevy Chase is in the front. He's merrily singing songs loudly, trying to get the kids involved, trying to get everybody to sing. And then Audrey speaks up, and she says, Dad, can you explain again what exactly it is we're doing? And Clark answers, Well, we're kicking off our fun, old-fashioned family Christmas by heading out to the country in the front-wheel drive sleigh to embrace the frosty majesty of the winter landscape and select that most important of Christmas symbols, to which Audrey says, we're not driving all the way out here to get one of those stupid Santa Claus ties, are we, Dad? Right? And Clark says, "No, I have one of those at home, honey. What we're looking for today is the Gris- Griswold family Christmas tree." Have you ever felt like Rusty and Audrey in the back seat when it's time to come to church on Sunday morning? Have you ever felt like those kids in the back seat who really just don't understand where they're going and what they're doing and why it's such a big deal? Not really that excited when it's time to come to church on Sunday morning, or maybe even when it's time to go to Missional community during the week. I mean, honestly, I have. Yeah, I feel like that kid sometimes, for sure. It's like we know Dad is, is making us go to church, but we don't really see why, and we'd kind of rather be home just doing nothing, or we'd rather be out at brunch or whatever it is that, that we ought to do, that we could do. It kind of feels like an obligation. It's interesting to see the heart of God in Hosea 6 6, though. You may be familiar with this. In Hosea 6 6, he says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. See, God isn't interested in our obligatory offerings and sacrifices. He's really not interested in our, you know, being obliged uh, to be at church. He isn't interested in being appeased as if, like, really, like coming to church service together would appease God anyways for anything that we had done. But that's not what he's out for. He's not, it's not about being appeased. His real desire is to be known and loved. His real desire for us is to know him and love him steadfastly because that's what he created us to do. And he desires us to be who he created us to be. So Psalm 122 is a song for the traveler who's packed up all his gear, packed up all his offerings, and is beginning to make the journey to Jerusalem. Right? And it's also for us. It's for us in this everyday journey of discipleship. It's for us, especially when we gather. And as we grow weary, as the traveler grows weary, begins to feel the burden of obligation, this song, the Psalm 122, it serves the heart of the singer. It serves the heart of the traveler by informing and shaping our hearts with the good news of expectancy over obligation. The song helps us to help shape our heart with the good news of expectancy over obligation. It's meant to gladden the heart, not burden it. And this song serves to move us from obligation to expectation in our worship, as we follow the way of our Lord, and as we worship together. Now, we got to consider the traveler, the pilgrim, who's singing this song. Consider what the, what the traveler was going through. The pilgrim uh, had a lot more obligation than we do today to have packed up his stuff and go to Jerusalem, right? In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17, I shared this I think last week. Uh let's, let's take a look at that. Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17. Here's the command to the Israelites. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. Listen to this part. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. And every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you they have to pack up all their stuff I mean they don't have cars and freeways we get that right Uh, they got to pack up all their stuff three times a year and travel uh, to Jerusalem and they're not to show up empty-handed yet it's not an obligation right as we read in Hosea God didn't desire to be worshiped out of obligation but out of steadfast love out of a thirst for knowledge of God But still, we have to consider it. Would it be possible, would it be possible that the pilgrim would feel a burden? I mean, he's got to leave his family. He's leaving his work. He's got to pack up the the stuff, pack up all the offering, the sacrifice, all their gear for the trip. This isn't like throw on a backpack and hike up the mountain for the day. It's not that. It's carts and donkeys and animals. It's taking all these things up with you and going to Jerusalem And it's going to take some time, and it's not just once a year, and it's not just, it's three times a year. I imagine that that could get pretty tough, leaving your family, leaving your work, leaving your livelihood, packing up stuff, offerings, and sacrifices to take. And so the pilgrims would sing these songs of ascents, as we've talked about before. Uh, They would sing these songs of ascents on their way up to worship God. In Psalm 120, which we went over the first week, that's the first song, they begin to remember that the world that they're leaving behind offers a lot of lies about what's actually true and what's actually good and what actually matters. And then Psalm 121, after that, they begin to look up to the hills and they look past the hills to the maker of the hills and they remember that God is trustworthy and so they keep putting one foot in front of the other and they keep making the journey with all their stuff and with their carts, even though it's hard. And maybe... Beginning to get somewhere, but then they get to Psalm 122, and the, there's this song. And the traveler begins to sing about what they ought to feel, right? They begin to sing about what ought to make the heart glad about the trip. It's a recognition of what the trip is really about. This Psalm 122 is a recognition of what the trip is really all about. And it's not about some kind of appeasing God, it's not about some obligation. It's about praising God from a blessed heart with a blessed people who've experienced the goodness, the faithfulness, and the steadfast love of God. Did you pick that up at the end of Deuteronomy 16, 17 when we just read it? It said they were bringing offerings according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. See, the heart of the traveler is reminded and beginning to move As they sing this song from obligation to expectation and worship. As he follows the way of the Lord and goes to Jerusalem to worship God together with God's blessed people. He's coming to worship and to bless God out of the blessings that God has given. The song is meant to make the heart glad. He's beginning to look and see where he's actually going and what would make the heart glad. And beginning to be expectant. So David, the writer of this psalm, he sings about Jerusalem, how much he loves the place. But it's, I don't think, much like I sing or would sing the praises of Charleston, South Carolina. It's more like I would sing the praises of Uganda. What I mean by that is I love Charleston. I love to go to Charleston. Many of you probably love to go to Charleston. It's only a couple hours away. I love the old buildings. I love the ocean. I love the beaches. I love the parks. I love Everything about I love the food. there's great food in Charleston. Uh, we love to go there for anniversaries, and for any excuse that we can get to get to Charleston, we just love to go there as a getaway. But I love Uganda in a different way. As many of you know that we went to Uganda a couple of years. I've been to Uganda a couple of times over the last couple of years. and it's beautiful. it is. I mean, the landscape is beautiful, but it's also really messy. And there's a lot of mess to see, and it probably wouldn't be the first place I would pick for vacation. See, what I love about Uganda is the friends that I've made there, the brothers and sisters in Christ that I've found there. And how when I go to Uganda, they're encouraged by my coming, they're encouraged by our time together, and, and they bless me, and I'm encouraged by how faithful they are and how God is moving in them. I'm blessed as we take communion together and as we listen to the word together and as we sing God's praises with them it's a reminder when I go this is why I love Uganda is because when I go there and I worship with them I'm going to use their slogan it's a reminder that God has made us one tribe one family with one language the gospel and I love it see David loved Jerusalem but it wasn't just for buildings and structure and geography It was a place where God brought together his people from across the dividing lines to praise God. We were built for praise. We were built for praise. They were built for praise. Specifically, we were built to praise God. And the only thing that actually works in uniting us across the dividing lines is when we worship and praise God together. Everything else that we would worship, everything else that we return to will cause division and burden. But when we come together to worship God and when we praise God, it unites us. So along this journey of discipleship in the everyday, we can forget what we're made for. We can forget that we're made for worshiping God. We can forget that we were built for praise. We can forget what we're called out of and how we've been actually blessed, and we kind of tend to take on the burden of appeasing God. We take on the obligation of bringing our offerings, and we take on the obligation of our doing, and our hearts can kind of feel nothing at times. We're like sitting in the back seat like Rusty and Audrey, kind of complaining, kind of rolling our eyes at why we have to do all these things, and our hearts can feel nothing, no passion for getting out of bed and coming to join the body at church on Sunday even. It can feel like nothing more than another load to carry, another thing you have to do. you got to get here and run the sound or run the computer or sing the songs or preach or do Redemption Kids or serve at the guest services table or greet at the doors or do the security team or many, many other things. And Maybe you just don't feel like doing that. I get it. Brunch would be better. It would be easy to feel that way. But this is a song. It's not really about Jerusalem, this song. But it's a song about a people called to praise God together. So to experience and to catch a glimpse of the eternal kingdom of God. That's what we're actually called together for. Is So that we begin to catch a glimpse of the eternal kingdom of God and what it's like. This is a place where the thrones of judgment are. That means this is a place where God rules. This is a place and a space where the things are most like they were created to be. A space where we come together to worship God together. It's where things are most like they were actually created to be, it's where God is putting things back in order. When we worship together, we ought to get a glimpse of the end work of Christ. We ought to get a glimpse of the reconciled, redeemed people singing with joy and feasting together from God's blessing and and as a blessing to God. And when we sing it, when we sing this Psalm 122, we're to be reminded, we are reminded that we come together to praise God. There's no obligation. We're coming together with expectancy we're coming together with gladness because we are built to praise God and this is where we get to praise God together. We come together to worship him and we kind of begin to experience if we come with glad hearts and expectant hearts we, become, we, we get to experience kind of the already of this already not yet kingdom that we're a part of. Right? We begin kind of by catching a glimpse of the not yet. The last part of this song is sung from the perspective of those who've been uh, to Jerusalem to worship and who will certainly go again, or maybe it's even those who are on their way. And it says, pray for Jerusalem. This is verse uh, 6. Pray for Jerusalem, they sing. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. See, worshiping together gives us a glimpse of true peace. That word shalom, that's in the Bible for peace. Which is not just where things are not without violence or things are just quiet like a peaceful day. It's more than that. It's where all things are working together as they were meant to work. All things are working within their created purposes. All creatures and all of creation are living out of God's created purposes together. That's shalom. And that's a glimpse of of true peace and we catch a glimpse of true peace and that prompts us to go back into the world back out as agents of reconciliation back out as true worshipers because worship doesn't just happen as we come together worship happens outside of that also so our time together is meant to prompt us as we get a glimpse of what true peace looks like of what shalom is like it prompts us to go back in the world as agents of reconciliation as true Worshippers, worshiping together, ought to prompt us to go back into our everyday lives, worshiping in obedience. Obedience is the worship of everyday life. It's not just the songs we sing. It's not just the the, the acts we do together here. It's not just the preaching of God's word and what we do on Sundays. Worship in the everyday life is obedience. Too often I think that we, we think of worshiping God as something that's feeling driven, something that we feel like we've got to conjure up some emotion if we're going to worship properly. But worship happens when we choose to be obedient even though we aren't feeling it, right? Worship is packing up the cart with your offerings and gear to go climb the mountain to Jerusalem when you really just feel like staying home and working the fields, and being with your family. Worship is choosing to listen to and follow the way of God when it isn't what your flesh actually wants. Obedience is how the traveler and how we uh, disciples worship God in the everyday. If you're familiar with Passion Conferences, you might be familiar with the 268 Declaration, which is taken from Isaiah 26.8. It says, Yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, I wait eagerly for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of my soul. See, obedience recognizes that God's promises go out before him, his fame precedes him, his reputation speaks of his glory and speaks of his truth. And so even though we don't want to, and even though we don't feel like it, we offer our steadfast love and our praise to him by deferring to his faithfulness and his righteousness, his understanding, his knowledge over our own. And we act on what he's called us to do, and acted we act on the ways he's called us to walk in, because even though we may not be feeling it, we believe that he is who he says he is, and that he is famous for a reason, and that his reputation is true, and we're waiting eagerly for him. So we can sing this song in the everyday as a reminder that his way offers the heart gladness, that as we follow him in obedience, worship in the everyday stuff of life, and as we follow him to worship together as we come together, we can come expecting to be gladdened. We can, we can come and defer to his way over our own, expecting that our hearts will be gladdened. If the heart's not feeling glad about going to the house of the Lord, is not prompted to follow him in all of life in obedience to his way, then choose to operate from expectation over obligation. Try him. That's really the call. Try him. Sing the song. Go his way and sing the song. Be reminded of what he's doing in the world and how he's proved that he's bringing it all about, that he's bringing all his promises about beyond Jerusalem and through Jesus Christ to the whole world. Finally, in this psalm, verse 8 and 9, David writes, For my brothers' and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you, For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. We were made for worship. And not only that, we were made for worshiping together. We were made for worship, and we were made for worshiping together. We were made for community. That's how we image God best. We were made for worship, and we were made for worshiping together. I love this line. For my brothers' and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For my brothers and companions' sake. This week, uh, Claire and I went to Charlotte to be assessed by uh, the Acts Twenty Nine um, Network. It was an encouraging time. It was pretty difficult at moments, to be honest. They really pressed in, which was it was good. But one of the things that I had to do was I had to preach in front of like this little semicircle of pastors who were assessing how good I preach. It was very intimidating. Uh, Kind of terrifying, to be honest. But anyways, I had to preach on Ephesians 4. They gave me the, the material to preach. And this is the point that I made in that sermon. I think it's applicable here. It just says, our individual gifts are meant to help each other continue to believe. That we are all gifted separately and differently so that we can help each other believe and live out of our belief that our identity and our value is found in Christ alone. That's the point. Each one of us are gifted And each one of us are called for this real, this is really what we're called to be. We're called to be part of the family of God, and then we're each gifted differently so that as a part of the family of God, we can help each other believe and live out of the belief that through Jesus Christ, we find our identity and our value and nowhere else. That's our main calling, is to help each other believe, to strive side by side together for the faith of the gospel, it says in Philippians. We do that by worshiping God together, by singing his praises with our mouths, but also with just showing up, with our serving one another, with our choosing to proclaim God as most high with all that we have, all the gifts that we've been given, uh, physically, physical gifts, tangible gifts, but also our spiritual gifts and our abilities. So I want this song to encourage you and I. I want it to encourage us to show up and worship together. Every chance you get, show up and worship together because you are made for worshiping together. And we live out of worshiping together. And I, want us to, I just want to encourage you to show up and worship together every chance you get and pray for the body of Christ. Not because Redemption Church is the coolest. Not because we have the best preaching or the best music or the best Redemption Kids deal or kids program not because we have the best or the coolest of anything alone although I do hope those things minister to you and speak the gospel to you I hope those things proclaim Jesus to you so that you can believe that your identity is found in Christ alone but also come with expectancy setting your heart and mind on who God is what he's doing and who he's making us together in light of that who is God What's he doing and what is he calling us to be in light of that? What's he making us into? And may it gladden our hearts. That's the encouragement from this song. Is the answer to those questions should gladden our hearts because it's good news. It's not an obligation. There's no obligation. It's not about burden, it's about steadfast love, it's about the knowledge of God, about who God is, what he's doing, and what he's making us together. Consider how you're able to encourage others to believe and be glad. Show up. Pray for the church. Come expectant. Set your mind on who God is, what he's like, and what he's making us into together. And consider how you're able to encourage others to believe and be glad. Be glad. I believe that generosity comes from a glad heart. And if you're going to speak the gospel to others and give others good news, then it's going to come from a glad heart. So hear the good news and be glad and consider how you're gifted. Consider what you've been gifted with to encourage others to believe and be glad. How can you seek good for the house of the Lord and for your brothers and sisters' sake? I'm wrapping up. but I want to charge you, I want to charge me, us, to sing this song, sing this song, find a way to sing this song, memorize it, make some short thing about it, find a way to recite this to yourself when brunch sounds better or when sleeping in sounds better or when something else sounds better than worshiping together with those who've been called out of darkness and into marvelous light. And come sing songs together here and hear the word of God, and serve one another, and worship the Lord together, and then go get brunch. With each other, that's better. It's better than doing it on your own. We tend to not believe that. We want to do the individual thing, but it's better together. We were called there. I want you to be encouraged by one another. We're going to move into a time of response, and uh, we're going to do the same things we do every week, really. Uh, there's, a, there's an offering basket in the back where you can give your tithes and offerings as an act of worship and a trust and a submission to his way over ours. Um, we're going to come down this middle aisle and we're going to take communion. If you're a Christian, whether you're a member of this church or not, we would invite you to come and do that with us. Uh, as we take the bread and we dip it in the wine and the juice, we're remembering Christ. We're remembering that he is who he said he is. That He's our savior. And that he's, it's not about obligation, it's about expectancy and that he's got good news for us that gladdens our heart. So if you believe in him, if you believe that he's forgiven you of your sin and that he's empowering you to live life as he created you to live it, then we invite you to come and take. If you're not a Christian, we'd ask that you not do that, but you would hear what we're proclaiming as we take it together. And then we're also going to have the band come up and we're going to sing songs and worship together. And during this time, you can pray. There will be people in the back who will pray with you. But let me encourage you this morning as we sing songs together to not sing songs from obligation and to not be quiet. We need each other in the singing. But sing from expectancy. Expect that as we sing together, we will rejoice, that our hearts will be gladdened and find and look for and rejoice in how in and through Jesus, Jesus' work on the cross and, and resurrection We who are not a people have been made a family. We have no other reason to be in this room together except for the personal work of Jesus Christ. We've come to sing his praises, and it will gladden our hearts when we do it from a place of expectancy. Rejoice in how we worship together and how it's an evidence that all things are being reconciled. Look across the room and see your brothers and sisters serving and singing and worshiping God together in this place and be encouraged and catch a glimpse of like that not yet part of this already not yet kingdom that we live in. That is the future, eternal, final kingdom that's still coming. Catch a glimpse of what it's going to be like. It's going to be good. And be glad. And when your steam runs out over the week and like when... Wednesday rolls around and it's time to go to missional community or whatever day you're supposed to meet with your family. And you don't feel like going. And next Saturday night, you're not sure that you want to come to church. I just ask you to remember this song, to sing it, to read it, to recite it, to find a way to go back here in your head. And take it to the heart and come in on Sunday anyways. Come in with a sense of expectancy that your broken heart will be made glad. In your worship of God and in our worship of God together as a family of God, as a people who were not a people, but who've been made a people by the personal work of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we just thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that how through the personal work of Jesus Christ, your love has been made known to us the heights, the breadth, the depth, the width of it. I pray that the Holy Spirit would like, move in our hearts so that we could see it, so that we could begin to comprehend it. I pray, Father, that you would remind us that we have been called out of darkness and into marvelous light, and that once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. We are your people. It may it gladden our hearts. and may, from here on out, like, would we come expectant, would this time together that we would be made glad, that we would hear good news, and that we would be able to proclaim good news to each other, both with our mouths and with our actions and with our serving and with our singing and everything that we do? Would this be a time of expectancy on Sunday mornings? Would our time together with our missional communities or with our DNAs be a time where we go expecting the, for our hearts to be gladdened? And when we can't, would you remind us that your ways are better than ours, and that we can't be trusted, but you can. Help us to act out of obedience. Help us to act obediently out of worship and defer to your ways over ours. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.